4: Good morning, Birds fans. It's an undefeated Tuesday here on Birds 365. I hope I get to see this for another good couple of weeks, if not a good couple of months. Undefeated Monday, Tuesday, Mm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here to hang with you. Uh, Let me thank. Terrell Lee, who noted on the comments already, somebody needs to wake Jody up. That is not the case. Yes, we're getting a minute late to start here, and I apologize for that. Uh, but it has nothing to do with waking up on time. I was going through a deep dive, and I looked up at the clock. I said, "Oh man, it's a minute before the show." You idiot! Turn down the lights. Uh, so I apologize for being a minute late, but it wasn't because I overslept. Uh, so I, I want to start here today, John We'll do our usual thing and talk everything up the Eagles and self-scouting and a double-digit favorite over the Commanders and uh, still got to wait another six days now before the Eagles actually play a game because they don't play till Monday night. Oh, we'll get all that in. Uh, John Stolnes, Bleeding Green Nation, is going to jump in in less than 20 minutes now and Eddie Kratz a little bit later in the show. Uh, but let me tell you what I was deep diving on. Remember, I gave you the tweet and I apologize. For not remembering off the top of my head who put it out yesterday that A.J. Brown with the game that he had against the Texans last week actually passed Jalen Rager on the all-time Eagles receiving garbage <laughs> <laughs> list. It, it kind of says as much about A.J. Brown as it does about Jalen Rager who was here for two years uh, and can't hold off and A.J. Brown has been here for all of eight games. So I just, it, it intrigued me so I looked up the Eagles all time receiver list and I also got some bad news for myself and the other great. great, the other Greg Ward fans uh, who, uh, yeah, Greg Ward's still an Eagle on that practice. Why you never know when he's going to be elevated. Probably not this upcoming week. So he won't be adding to his total uh, with AJ Brown's week that he had last week. He now has 718 yards total Yes, that moved him past a couple others, including uh, Jalen Rager on the all-time receiving list. He currently sits at number 85 with his 718 yards. If he uh, catches balls for 50 yards this week, that's a fair over, right? you got to believe AJ's getting 50 this upcoming week against the Commanders, JM. Oh, yeah. They could get 50 yards. Yeah, I, we're not setting the bar too high for him. He will move into the 80th all-time, slant, uh, jump yeah. from 85 to 80, surpassing at number 80 right now, Greg Ward. Greg, the 80th all-time on the Eagle receiver list. I might have bet against that, that he would have been even that high. But he is presently 80th, but I think A.J. Brown is going by him with a bullet. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Uh, yeah
5: there's not you know if AJ we're through you know eight games so the NFL screwed us all up with this 17 game schedule but basically we're halfway through the season plus you know an extra game so he's he's on pace for about 1500 yards yeah. and and you know I, I'm, I'm gonna guess that would be top 50 in Eagles history uh just uh on one season. I, I that would be my 1500
4: yards would put him at number
5: 46 that's not, that's not good but it's great for one year for a.j brown but it kind of tells you this this well, franchise no, hold
4: on yeah we would no yeah i guess it would leave him at 46 because devonta smith is currently at number 49 and he'll be moving up between now and the end of the season, so he's probably not going to go uh, past Devontae Smith, who's got thirteen fifty eight. So you know yeah. Devontae's going to have more yards. He's going to be up so somewhere.
5: when when you talk most of the great receivers, most um, you know obviously you have Hall of Famers like Harold and uh, Tommy McDonald and. Uh, people like that but you know from different eras where passing wasn't as prevalent one of one of the most concerning things about the Eagles recent troubles you mentioned Jalen Rager at wide receiver before they fixed it with back-to-back years with Devontae and A.J. Brown (laughs) was the fact that they didn't have a, a I think it was 600 yard receiver in this era yeah it's almost impossible it's almost impossible. We're only we're only what two years removed from that John, when yeah, they
4: didn't have a wide receiver who got six hundred yards. Oh, by the way, AJ Brown's got seven hundred, yeah. and
5: we're not halfway through the season. Yeah. That that was the frustrating part. Now, part of it, you know, they had good tight ends and they they produce, but um, you know that was amazing. That that lack of, of of production at the wide receiver position, and of course, the Eagles to do different things that they wouldn't have done. And there's all these butterfly effects, but at the end of the day, you know, you got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. So everybody's happy. And that's the fun thing. You can go back and look at drafts and say, Jalen Rager, such a, a terrible pick. Well, if you don't make a mistake on Jalen Rager, you don't go about fixing it. And you know, then who knows where AJ Brown is now, but he's not in Philadelphia. So, Sometimes things work out. Sometimes it's better on the back end than the front end. I talked about luck yesterday. Nick Sirianni doesn't believe in luck. Hey, luck is real, man. <laughs> luck is real at times. And sometimes missing on something forces you to do something else, and that sometimes that something else is better than what you wanted to do. You, you don't even have to go back that far. You think about the beginning of, of, of this process that got A.J. Brown. AJ Brown's only here because Calvin Ridley went on his phone one day and 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 decided to 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 place a few bets on his favorite app um otherwise AJ Brown's not here um there's you know and 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 they looked in other receivers as well we know Kristen Kirk you know if he doesn't get overpaid by Jacksonville who knows Kristen Kirk is here and no AJ Brown on and on and on and on worked out yeah that's luck.
4: How he seems to be a blessed man. I, If you'd indulge me for just a second, just because I think it's fun, we'll take a quick walk down memory lane. I think Eagle fans will enjoy this. And some of them probably know uh, it off the top of their head, could uh, run down the top 20 receivers of all time for the Eagles. Uh, I couldn't, but I recognize almost all of these names. <laughs> Harold Carmichael, number one, Pete Retzlaff, again, before both John and my time. God bless if you can say, I saw Pete Redside play from the 50s into the 60s, but he's an Eagle all-timer. Deshaun Jackson, who, oh, by the way, did you see him out there on the field last night? Back and active again for the Ravens, came up hurt. (laughs) Shockingly, Deshaun uh, Deshaun Jackson got hurt last night's Ravens. People were still
5: talking about bringing him back as a punt returner. Uh, uh, Thank... thank, I'm glad the Eagles finally turned the page on that for good. Thanks
4: for the Ravens for doing that. Uh, my quick number four, Zach Ertz number five. That's part of that tight end. has got all the catches from a couple of years ago rather than their wide receivers. They were going to Zach Ertz. Pete Pehose again before John and my time. Tommy McDonald, everybody knows. Uh, Bobby Watson. Now I got to be honest. Uh, Bob Watson was a first baseman for the New York Yankees. Bob Watson.
5: Bob Bob Walston, I think you're talking about Eagles wise Bob Oh, am I Walston. misreading
4: it? Oh shoot, I need my glasses on Bobby Walston,
5: yeah, I, I sorry I don't, do you know Bobby Walston. can you uh wax poetic about Bobby Walston? Well, no, him? but i like history. I know who he is, you know and 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 by the way, uh, Bobby, Bobby Walston was, Bobby... from where what, what what college? I don't know, but he was a kicker uh, as well, so you know, different era again, uh Why'd that's what secret- I know. Wide receiver he was, kicker? He was he was an he was a more of a tight end, um, and but he was also a kicker, uh, which you do not see these days. So yeah. that's why he sticks out. He's the,
4: the eighth all-time receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he also yeah.
5: kicked. He, he did right, him. Good on both. you. Yeah. You
4: knew that. Uh Brent Selleck, number nine, Jeremy Macklin ten, Ben Hawkins, uh before my time, but certainly recognized the name. And here's one I did not know. And yours truly uh, moved to Philadelphia in 1990. The two best Eagle wide receivers catching the ball from Randall Cunningham were Fred Barnett and Calvin Williams. And currently they're number 12 and number 13 on the Eagles' all-time receiving list. Back-to-back guys who played on the same team, same era, same squad. Big difference between the numbers of yards. Freddie Barnett's got 4,600 and Calvin Williams got 3,800. So there's 800 yards between them. But they're back-to-back, number 12 and 13. Brian Westbrook out of the backfield, number 14. Jason Avant, I didn't know Jason was that high. He's 15th all-time. Keith Byers, one of the best out-of-the-backfield guys uh, and a power guy as well. Harold Jackson, 17. Charlie Smith, 18. uh, Timmy Brown, number 19. And the right Reverend Irving Fryer, number 20. Eagles have had some good wide receivers, but there's no you, the, if,
5: if if you have this up, where where is uh where's Dallas Goddard at this point? All right, we gotta find Goddard. Uh to, to. number 24, <laughs>
4: 2816 20, yards. He's in a tie. Yeah. Oh, 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 guess who he's in a tie with? Eagle, um, Eagle receiver over the last. 15 years? Somewhere between 10 and 15 years. Uh, and I'll give you a hint. Oh, we can do this. I used to do it on radio, so I could do it here on uh, YouTube. It'll be a better clue. Oh,
5: uh, Todd, uh, Todd Pinkston.
4: Todd Pinkston! Todd Pinkston and... <laughs> Yeah. Dallas Goddard have the exact same numbers yeah, of one, yards. One's 2, better. Thousand eight hundred. Well, two things.
5: Beat. Listening to that top twenty list, you see that that bottom that bottom ten is not great. Um, you know, this this team has not had a lot of great receivers over the years, um, and that's changed, and that's a good thing. Um, other than Harold, Harold Jackson was a really good player. Dipper Nera, obviously. Uh, played in different spots though. Um a lot of tight ends too. You mentioned a lot of tight ends. That yeah, tells I did. you. That that tells you. Um you know this this team hasn't been great at receiver. Now they're great at receiver. And I said it and old timers get upset at me. And you know, I'm sorry Merrill uh but uh this is the most talented uh wide receiver duo in Eagles history. And it's not particularly close. And people go back to to Mike Quick and Harold Carmack, And sorry Mike as well. But well, first of all, I mean Mike came in, it was the end of Harold's career. So, you know, these these two guys are in their prime, in their early prime at the
4: same time. Yep.
5: By by far the most talented deal. Now not the best because you got to produce for a long, long, longer period of time. Uh, to be considered the best Uh, but as far as talent by far by far the best duo yeah that
4: duo i just gave you calvin williams and freddie barnett they put up more yards if you're just looking at gross numbers as teammates playing together they put up more yards than eagles two wide receivers but the eagles two wide receivers have been playing together for all of eight games yeah so yeah if, if i'm betting on the over on that one i'm gonna take the current two over any other combination, uh, when all is said and done, um, you know, I was missing, uh, it just seems like it's so funny. You, you remember what you remember and you remember the way you remember it. Terrell Owens is only number 41. It just seems like he was here longer and did more
5: and put up bigger numbers
4: actually under 2000 yards receiving.
5: Yeah. well uh, oh, it was basically had... the one year. And then, uh, Low little bit of the... And then everything went off the rails. So. Yeah,
4: it just... Because that one year was as big as it was, it seems bigger than it actually was. He's not even in the Eagles' top 40. And that's another guy that, uh, yes, at some point, A.J. Brown will be going by. I right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Thank you very much for allowing me to do that. I just... And I, again, apologize for being a minute late because I'm reading this list. I'm going to believe that. Oh, my God. I was surprised just because A.J. Brown is moving as quickly up the list as he is that uh, we got off on a little bit of a tangent. Oh, we got plenty of stuff to get to do as the day goes on, including talking to our first guest, one of our faves, uh, contributor for Bleeding Green Nation and podcast host of I of the Enemy, John Stolnes, going to jump aboard next here on Birds 365.
0: It's a fall car fest. And Jeff D. Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no weight. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D. Destination Downingtown, nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days.
6: Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit, and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean.
3: Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently.
6: Go
1: first.
6: At Salus University, our graduates are among the most highly trained in their profession because of our unique emphasis on research, interprofessional collaboration, and early clinical exposure. Learn more about our programs at Salus.edu.
4: You got your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. And we got a good guest. Uh, he's good because he knows that what the hell he's talking about, but I didn't even realize this. Um, that The reason we've got John on today is because we were like, dude, I have John on. And John's good. We like to try and punch him up once a month. I forgot that they're playing DC this week. This would be the Commanders and the Eagles, and of course, he's a uh, Philadelphia guy. He's been with Bleeding Green Nation for years, but doing some DC work as well, so he can give us both sides of the aisle. Pardon the pun on election yeah. day. Yeah, election uh, day.
6: Well yes done, Jody.
4: Uh, very good. Uh, for uh, both the commanders and the Eagles from Bleeding Green Nation, uh, John is jumping aboard with us. Uh, yeah, you're you're a D.C. guy now these days. Still have your finger on the pulse here in Philadelphia. But yeah. is it just nuts down there? I, I never even consider I got to vote for a uh, head across the street and go to my uh, middle school after we're done here today and cast my ballot. But is it even more nuts down there in D.C. on a day like this?
7: You know what? It's it's actually less nuts in D.C. because everybody's out of town. Everybody is in their districts. Everybody is in their yeah. home states and they're doing their campaigning and their last minute blitzes. And usually the last couple of days before an election, you've got the president and his people are out across the country trying to get people to the polls and all that stuff. So it's actually quieter in D.C. Uh, in the couple of days before an election day now. A month later, yeah, it gets nutty when everybody starts showing up for work, yeah. but uh, it, it, it's okay right now, yeah.
5: Yeah, sort of like the shore, you know. You yeah, get that right. uh, little respite uh, yeah. for for the locals, and that's right. And then all the out of towners come back, and you get depressed, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs>
7: that's right.
5: That's right. Um, yeah, let's gonna... start it. Uh, let's start it with before we get into the Eagles Commanders, because and I want to. I uh, because Jody and I talked about Frank Reich yesterday, and I said, nah, he's not going to get fired." And of course, a couple hours after the show ends, he gets fired. Yeah, uh, another solid prediction by yours truly. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, you know, you know, Eagle spans and Frank is very uh, popular, uh, uh, obviously here for good reason. And they, you know, I started getting the questions right away, John. Are they going to bring Frank Reich back? And I'm sitting there. This is an eight-no team. Everything's yeah. going well. Don't worry about Frank Reich. Who, by the way, is under contract in 2026. He's getting paychecks for a while. Very nice, Jim Arise. um Why is everybody so in tune with adding when you're sitting there? You're doing well. It's about, yeah. in my opinion, John. It should be about sustaining, not yeah. anything else.
7: Right. No, I I think there's still that uh, residue from the Super Bowl and and those questions when Doug Peterson struggled in, uh, I guess, what was it 2020? uh, Did they did they keep the wrong guy? You know, there was all that conversation going on. And that's still, I think, lingering for, for some Eagles fans. But, you know, you've got Shane Steichen, who is doing a phenomenal job as the offensive coordinator. Nick Sirianni, all these guys, they're they're in their second year together. And you're just you're just seeing how it's all kind of coming together. Here in this 8 0 start, there, there's no need to be wistful or to be looking to add somebody from uh, the Doug Peterson regime at this point. Now, Shane Steichen, the way he's going, might get a head coaching job next year. And yeah. so at that point, you know, if Nick Sirianni feels comfortable with the role reversal and Frank Reich feels comfortable with the role reversal of as the head coach, Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator, maybe that could be something you can consider. But I have a hard time believing either guy would be happy with that particular scenario.
5: Yeah, it would be difficult. But a little, yeah. little bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Awkward. Awkward's a perfect yeah. word. And oh, by the way, I guarantee you we see Frank Reich come camp next year. He's going to be one of those visiting coaches uh, yes. who comes in and my quality. Like,
5: like Bic yeah. Bangio this year. Which, by the way, and that's another thing. I I, I want to clear that up real quick. <laughs> Big Bangio is not a consultant for this team. So I, I got all kinds of fans saying, like, bring in... Frank Reich, like they have Vic Fangio. Vic is not a consultant uh, with this team. Yeah. He showed up in, in the summer, and he did a tour of the league because half of the league runs his defense. But he is not a consultant with this team. Now, they can text him and say, hey, you know, like anybody, friends, I, I text Jody, Jody, texts John, vice versa. Yeah. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think? They can do that, but he's not getting paid by the Eagles. He's not a consultant. And Frank Reich's not going to be paid by the Eagles. No. But guess what? He'll be a camp. I guarantee you. Oh yeah, if, if he's not employed, year. he's, he's going to be, he's be a still Cashing
4: those birthday checks. But he'll be hanging out with Nick uh, at the Novocare. If he's contract. not
5: employed, and by the way, when the, when the Eagles uh, play the Colts in a couple of weeks, he's probably going to answer those texts pretty quickly now from Nick Sirianni. <laughs> so true. from that aspect, maybe it, maybe it helps a little bit.
7: Yeah, I mean, I, these guys obviously have a relationship. I mean, they they worked really well together in Indianapolis, and now that Frank doesn't have any close ties to the Colts anymore, I'm sure he'd be willing to help out his former coach. Yeah. So you know, it's any. I think that we what we see with NFL teams is even if there's no specific relationship, these guys are all looking to their friends and other executives for ideas, people who've done things well in this league. You're always looking to cherry pick and see if you can get some nuggets here and there to sprinkle in and add to whatever it is you do.
4: Right, the Colts had won a couple of the Colts. The the Commanders had won a couple games in a row um, for letting the uh, Sunday game slip through their fingers. Taylor Heineke with a really bad pick. He yeah. didn't play awful, but he didn't play great. And he did throw a real bad pick in that one. Is DC happy with what they're getting from their new old quarterback?
7: Well, I don't know that they're, I think they're happier than they were with Carson. I think the frustration with Carson Wentz grew to such an immense level that a change needed to be made, even if Carson hadn't gotten hurt, Uh, just the offense looked so dismal and flat. And it seemed like we saw with Carson in 2020, it seemed like you had to move mountains to move the ball down the field. When, when Wentz was at quarterback and you just see the skills that Wentz once had are gone. There's just none of that (laughs) electricity there anymore. The big arm is still there, but he, he, he can't get away from pressure. And so uh, with Heineke, I think, commanders fans were excited about having a what they perceived to be playmaking quarterback a guy who can be a little bit more mobile who can make plays on the run and in that in, in that vein he he had he has done that i mean he has ma- brightened up the offense a little bit they have looked a little more dangerous but taylor heineke is taylor heineke and and you saw both sides of that in the game on sunday and i watched a lot of that game against the against the vikings it was um it was the tale of two tailors in the first half. They were not very productive. He didn't play all that well in the first half. And in the second half, in that third quarter specifically, he kind of got lucky on the deep ball. uh, Kind (laughs)
5: of, that that, kind of John, that, that was pure luck.
7: Yeah. And and so he threw it into triple coverage and the referee (laughs) happened to take one of the guys out. And I don't know what the other Vikings defenders were doing on that play. So you get seven there and then he, he takes them on a nice drive for that, for that second touchdown, but then he throws the pick and, we the commanders just aren't able to overcome mistakes at this point they they don't have they, they haven't built up enough of a winning culture and they don't have a quarterback who can dig them out from from under mistakes and, and and so taylor heineke is a backup quarterback in this league that's what they have i think they know that they have that uh he can win you a few games here and there and he probably will start the rest of the season but you know what you're going to get with Taylor heineke and that's. That's a, a, a five hundred less than a slightly less than five hundred quarterback. Let me let me jump in there.
4: Um, because Ed Kratz is coming up later, our resident Sam Howell fan. Um <laughs> you say Heineke's probably gonna play the rest of the year. At some point, they'll probably become eliminated. They may not from a playoff spot, certainly from the division. Uh, Is Howell not going to get a chance at all this year if Heineke Heineke plays Heineke like football, which is kind of like he did this past Sunday, makes a couple of plays, gets exciting, makes a mistake, overall not going to be a franchise guy for years to come. What is the Sam Howell feel in Washington these days?
7: There's not a lot of conversation about him because they had won a few games in a row and they'd gotten themselves back into the <laughs> NFC playoff picture because the conference is so weak and the powerhouses that we thought were going to be great have really faltered here this season. So the, the, the door is still open for the commanders to sneak in and, and get that last wildcard spot. If Taylor Heineke can play, I mean, a 500 record, a slightly over 500 record, it might be enough to, to get the Commanders in the playoffs. And they, we saw the defense from the Commanders was legit on, on Sunday. They, they were all over Kirk Cousins in that game. So you can win games against inferior opponents with that defense and Taylor Heineke doing just enough. I don't think Howell gets any playing time until this team gets eliminated from postseason contention and they start to look towards next year. But for right now there's they're, they're foreign, what are they four and five at this point? Yeah. Um, yeah they, they, they're yeah. still well in the conversation and there's no conversation uh, about how coming in and taking over.
5: Yeah. John, I, I like you, I saw that game because the Eagles were off and that was the local game here. Um, and I was disappointed in Taylor Heineke. I thought he'd give him a little bit more juice. We mentioned the play. He threw for 149 yards. You take away that 50-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. He's under 100 yards against a team that can't defend the pass very well. Um, and he and he made the big turnover late. The the, the Commanders should have won that game when they got that break uh, with the back judge just wiping out a guy yeah. who's going to intercept this long touchdown. Right. Um But that defense, that defensive front, and I've been telling Jody, and I go back to the first game, Nick Sirianni, and he wasn't blowing smoke up our you-know-what. He kept talking about that defensive front. And Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, who I think Montez Sweat may be one of the two or three most underrated players in football. He is so good, and nobody seems to know it, um, except the people in the league. Now you have Chase Young coming back. And Jody points out he's been a disappointment from what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be, you know, Mm Bosa-like, for lack of a better term, coming out of Ohio State. And he hasn't been that, but he's still a really good player. And all of a sudden, they started this practice window last week. It's pretty clear to me they were targeting this game to get him back. So you're going to have Chase Young, you're going to have Montez Sweat, you're going to have Jonathan Allen, you're going to have Daron Payne. And for people that don't know, because for years the Vikings have had a bad offensive line, they no longer have a bad offensive line. They have one of the better offensive lines in the league because they've spent so much draft capital over the past couple seasons. And that Washington front without Chase Young just ate their lunch, ate them alive. Mm-hmm. that's a concern for me that defensive run
7: it's a concern to me too I, I think in the eagles offensive line it's not only just a very good one it's probably the best in the nfl so so you have that going for you in kirk cousins you don't have a mobile quarterback who you have to worry about breaking containment and making plays outside and so or if there's a if there's an opening in the middle taking off downfield and, and getting 7 8 10 12 yards or whatever it happens to be so you if you're if you're a Washington rusher and you're going up against Kirk Cousins, you can just pin your ears back and go out and get him. You can't really do that as much against Jalen Hurts. And I think also the RPO game, we saw what they did with Micah Parsons against Dallas. They can kind of freeze some of those guys in the RPO game and the run game to kind of keep them off balance and negate a little bit of that pressure that you can get from the defensive front. So I think the Eagles have a few additional tools in their tool belt to deal with a defensive front, like what you'd see from Washington. Uh, I think we've seen them utilize that against a a good defense like Dallas. And I I imagine that's probably one of the things they'll try to do uh, in the game against Washington on Monday night is, is use those RPOs, uh, use the threat of Jalen hurts, being able to run the football and, as good as Minnesota's offense can be, the Eagles have more weapons that they can utilize in the passing game to kind of keep Minnesota off balance. Uh, so I, I think that, yes, it's a concern what Washington did last week to a good um, offensive line in of Minnesota, but I think the Eagles are equipped to handle it. Whether they will, we'll see.
4: All right. Uh, John's concern about the Washington defensive front. I'm actually more concerned about the Eagles defensive front. Sans mm. Jordan Davis, not as good against the run. The back seven, not as good as tackling and they need to be. Linebackers, safeties, corners. The Eagles are the worst tackling team in the National Football League. 32nd out of 32, at mm. least according to Pro Football Focus. Is that a bad matchup against this Heineke-led uh, commander team coming in this week? If the Eagles continue to have issues with tackling and mm-hmm. stopping another team from running, four straight uh, games that the opposition is gone for a 120-plus, will the Red, will the uh, Commanders have the capability of making them pay uh, coming up on Monday night for their lack of run defense?
7: I don't think to the degree that the Texans did, because I don't think Washington knows what to do with their running backs. I, I don't think they know what to do with Antonio Gibson or Brian Johnson. Uh, they they haven't really been able to establish any kind of a consistent run game this year. Um, it's certainly a possibility, but I think what you see in the Eagles is their defense has traded tackling for making the splash plays, getting the interceptions, getting pressure with their front four and getting to the quarterback. And uh, I, I think, Given the fact that this offense can put together long scoring drives, that they do have explosiveness as well, the defense is more willing to allow a team to run the ball 27 times, 30 times in a game. And, you know, yeah, maybe get 150 yards on the ground if they're not getting anything through the passing game. Because more often than not, the Eagles are playing with a lead here so far this season. So you would like to see the tackling be better. I, I think in a lot of cases, you're seeing it being traded for trying to knock the ball out, uh, for trying to make plays on the ball as opposed to wrapping up. Uh, is certainly something they can clean up. The other thing I'll say is, too, playing on Thursday night, it's hard to take a whole lot of firm judgments away from a team when you play you're playing four days after the day before you're still physically not feeling great. Uh you're you know you don't get a chance to game plan quite as well as as you would on a on a long yeah, oh, so.
4: oh, oh, timeout Washington slash Philadelphia.
7: Isn't that the same for both
4: teams? Yeah the Eagles sure. coming in on a short week it's real hard. The Texans were coming in on a short week too. Damian Pierce didn't seem to be bothered by not much rust uh because sure. as he was running over the Eagles attempted tacklers.
7: Yeah. And that's fair. I I think too, uh, if you're, if you're on the offensive, it might be a little bit easier when you're on a short week to um, when you're dictating uh, when you're dictating things offensively to kind of have a little bit more of a leg up on the defense. Your, your points well taken. I mean, they both teams had to deal with that. Uh, But I think when you're looking at a team that's tired, you know, Tackling is a thing that requires energy. It requires uh, you to be fresh. And I think that's one of the things we saw in week one against the Lions, having not gotten a whole lot of, uh, of tackling in and training camp and all that. They just weren't sharp tackling, you know, t- tackling the ball carriers. And I, I, it's not the sole reason why we saw that on Thursday night, but I think it's a factor.
5: Uh, John, I want to talk big picture Eagles with you, where we are in this league. After a week in which Buffalo lost again, uh, to Jody's uh, New York Jets. Now, it's a better Jets team than Norma. I, it's, it's a good team, the Jets. Yeah. They're not what they typically are. But nonetheless, if you're supposed to be the best team in football, you're supposed to win that game. And they didn't. Yeah. Right. And Kansas City really struggled at home, managed to get it done. Patrick Mahomes had to throw it 68 times to beat a team with a backup quarterback who they don't even feel comfortable. Allowing to throw the football. So I think it's safe to say the Chiefs weren't very impressive. And here we are, finally, after eight consecutive wins, the Eagles are, are top of the most of the betting markets. Jalen Hurts is tops in, in the MVP race, or at least tied in the betting markets. Yet locally with Eagles fans, and I'll, I'll start it there with you. I get a lot of Eagles fans who don't believe in this team. Who have they played? Now, I expect it from outside fans, the Cowboy fans, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of just say, all right, you know, Cowboys fans are Cowboys fans. They're going to, you know, try to uh, morph things for their team and shape their narrative around what they want. But Eagles fans, and you're a Phillies guy, John, you just came off the World Series. Disappointing, but great run for the Phillies. But they were the underdogs. Yeah. The Eagles aren't the underdogs, but I think Philadelphia has this whole underdog mentality to the point Jason Kelsey started a clothing line, underdogs. They're not the underdogs. No, They're, they're the big dog. They're, yeah. em- embrace it. They're the best team in football. That's what I've been saying this week. Why do not locally, why do so many fans not realize that?
7: That's a good question. And I think as I think about this Eagles team, I don't think this is the most talented Eagles team we've ever seen. You know, I think that, and I think when, but there eight no, and I think it's because they, they're playing in a, in a conference that, is as weak i think as we've seen the nfc in in a number of different years and i think we i think for most eagles fans they look at this team as a good team but i think they say to themselves in any other year they probably wouldn't be where they are if they were in if they were where they if this team was playing as well as they were last year maybe they wouldn't be where they are i don't necessarily agree with that i also think it comes down to the quarterback think about the other two really the other two times that Eagles teams were considered tops in the NFL. You had the 2004 team with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens. Donovan McNabb drafted number two overall in the draft. He was expected to be a superstar and he became a superstar. Carson Wentz in 2017, his second year in the league, drafted number two overall. He was expected to be a superstar. He was a superstar. Jalen Hurts drafted in the second round. Nobody liked the pick. I didn't like the pick at the time. Hated the pick. He comes in. Is kind of middling last year. He's a runner, but doesn't do much as a passer. Nobody coming into this season was sure of Jalen Hurts, what he could be, what he would do. I think most people believed he was not this team's future at quarterback. The Eagles this offseason made overtures towards every available quarterback, it seemed, about potentially coming to Philadelphia because I don't think they believe that Jalen Hurts was, was the future of the, of the franchise. And then he comes in here, and I think he has surprised everyone so much with his maturation as a quarterback that I think it's taking people a little bit of time to trust that, to trust what they're seeing, to trust the um, – improvements that Jalen Hurts has made. And I think the fact that it's taking a little bit of a long time for everybody to get on board with Jalen Hurts as the franchise guy, having been a second round pick, somebody we weren't really sure about being that dude I think that's why you're seeing a little bit of a delayed reaction to the to, to Eagles fans really grabbing a hold and, and saying, yes, this is the best team in the NFL. If you put them on a neutral field with the Chiefs, if you put them on a neutral field with the Bills, they can beat those teams. They can dominate whoever it is they're playing on the rest of their schedule. So to me, that's kind of where it comes down to. Any any lingering doubt I have about this, 20, this 2022 Eagles team, it kind of comes down to the quarterback and – me actually saying myself am i believing what i'm seeing so far because it's kind of hard to believe what we've seen from hertz here this year
4: all right i'm gonna go against my own credo here so shame on me but the (laughs) conversation has kind of taken us there um i do sunday show on cbs sports radio with zach gelb he does i on football for eight hours Mm -hmm. eight hour show they don't pay him enough i just come (laughs) in give him a helping hand for the last (laughs) the last two hours And he asked me the other day when the Eagles won, when they got the 7-0 before the Texans game, this was the previous Sunday, Eagles and undefeated. They're the only undefeated team left, and with every passing week, they become more of an undefeated team because they've logged that many Ws, and they've only got so many games left to play. When does this actually become a pressure point? that i i say it every day Uh, welcome to a wednesday undefeated edition of uh, eagle birds 365 so i'm guilty as much as anybody Mm -hmm. else but at some point it's going to become a real conversation just kind of in passing Uh, you know the eagles the only undefeated team when it becomes more real Mm-hmm. Does it start to build pressure on the Eagles? Because not only they're going, hopefully they open up a little distance, Minnesota yeah. takes a loss, Dallas take a loss. they'll be the the not only the number one team via the standing, but by playoff uh, positioning and everything else. But undefeated does bring a little extra pressure with it, does it not?
7: Yeah, I think it does. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, especially if they kind of wrap things up early, it would be nice to have something to play for down the stretch. Uh, I think when you get if they can take care of Tennessee, which I think is going to be a really hard game for the Eagles. So do I. Um, uh, that's and, good, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Given their run defense issues and Derrick Henry, that's that could be a problem. And Tennessee plays good defense. That's a tough that's a tough hard nosed team. You got to play Dallas in Dallas and you got to play the Giants uh, in in the one game that's probably going to matter this year. Uh, I think that's in New York, right? They play in New York um, in week 14. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you, you get past those three hurdles. Now, all of a sudden undefeated is a real possibility. I think that's when it starts to become real. I think you get three quarters of the way through the season. You've got those four games left or in this stupid 17 game schedule, we have, you have five games left or whatever it is. And you pretty much know you're going to be the number one seed at that point, or, you know, you've got the division locked up more than likely now, all of a sudden it becomes about being undefeated and, Really, the coaching staff has a difficult decision. If they've locked things up by week 15, do they go for an undefeated season? How much do you play the starters? How much do you want to set and to make history in that way? I don't know that the coaching staff will allow the team to to pursue a perfect season for this to even be a question towards the end of the season.
4: Let me interrupt because the way you stated, it's not going to be the coaching staff. It's going to be the organization.
5: Yeah. Because we don't believe
4: the coaching staff dictates everything when it comes to the way the players are handled and used and Mm -hmm. given off time and rest and protection and everything else. That's an organizational thing. So it's not going to be Shaden Steichen or Gannon or Nick Sirianni dictating things. It's going to be a whole organizational decision.
7: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's true, too. And I think if if Howie Roseman is pushing for it, then (laughs) it'll become a pressure point. Um, I I think what the Eagles really have going in their favor is Jalen Hurts does not seem to be phased by any of that stuff. And this team seems to go wherever he takes them. So we'll see. I mean, I I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think they probably drop a game uh, between now and week 15. But wouldn't be the worst thing. You no,
5: know, Jody brought would. that up yesterday, John, he, you know, and I agree with him. He, you know, people say, get the loss out of the way. It's a good thing. I don't necessarily agree with that aspect of it. And, and, but it it, it does eliminate that pressure uh, point. And you're not talking about, you know, should the Eagles rest players down the stretch uh, stretch versus play to win the game because I guarantee you Nick Sirianni the most competitive guy in the world he's going to want to go uh, 17 and 0. oh yeah um, and you don't have that that sort of butting up heads um, and maybe it is that Tennessee game uh, which doesn't you know styles make fights as they say and you point yeah. out that's a hard-nosed team and you might lose think about Kansas City Tennessee 2017 in overtime whatever it was you might lose a 2017 game, really close, just grind it out. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Now, yeah. people would be jumping off bridges and saying, oh, my God, what's wrong? We lost a football game. <laughs> but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I kind of I kind of agree with that yeah. from the aspect of it's logical. Um, you expect, and the Eagles have had games where they haven't performed at a high level, Arizona. Yeah. Um, Detroit, at least for... Uh, letting him back in the game uh, so they've had these little stretches but it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to lose a, a, a football game I think no. we could all agree with that correct
7: yeah do you, do you well let me ask you can I ask you guys a question do you guys think that Howie Roseman and, and Eagles management would push for the perfect season or do you think they would push for the Eagles to make sure that they're ready for our Super Bowl run
5: yeah, that I, I think they want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think they give a rat's ass about going 17-0. Yeah. and 0. So judging by the way this team handles its business, if they wrapped everything up, we're going to see Gardner Minshew. I mean, yeah. I, 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 and, and they'll try to win the game with, you know, and, and certain because you're limited with the game day roster, certain starters have to play. They're gonna to try to win that game, but the goal is to win the Super Bowl, not go 17. Johnny, oh. how
4: had their attempt trying to beat the Cowboys week 17 last year go? <laughs> yeah. Well,
5: <laughs> yeah. they're
4: they, they they better. They can teams. try
5: all they want. They're you a put, better team. You're putting the well, JV
4: out there, you're gonna get JV results.
5: They're they're a better team. But up 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 you brought this up before, so I'll run this by you, John. Now I've only been covering this team on a daily basis since 2015. But I saw the Super Bowl team up close mm-hmm. every day. This team's more talented than that team. Mm-hmm. Um now I can't go back to 2004 but I it, you know the quarterback point you brought up is is true. I mean you have Donovan McNabb, a high-level talent, Carson Wentz, a high-level talent, and Jalen Hurts wasn't supposed to be that, but I got to tell you if this is a ceiling, it's pretty good
7: yeah
5: <laughs> it's, it's acceptable yeah. um this team is the most talented eagles team that i've covered uh from two through 52 i was just looking at buffalo today because um everybody says how talented they are how how gifted they are it's about the quarterback and the same mm-hmm. thing in reverse it's about josh Allen. the eagles are better than the bills two through 52 the Eagles are better than the Chiefs 2 through 52. And that goes back to my other point of you know don't be scared of it. This this team's got difference makers all over the place. It's yeah. kind of amazing.
7: Yeah, when we put it when as we started the season, we looked at the team how I Roseman put together when they got uh, Gardner Johnson, we thought okay, that's that was the last hole on the team and they filled it. The biggest question mark was the quarterback. <laughs> Everything else would look like it was. They had painted by numbers and gotten the whole picture painted. So um, you're right. I mean, top to bottom. It's, it's amazing how adding AJ Brown completely the reconfigured the offense. Yeah. It just complete And, and, you know, moving Jalen Rager out, bringing in, uh, a guy like Zach Pascal just gives you four four receivers now that you can legitimately count on. And it's just it's amazing how it's how it's opened everything up. It's it, it's it's yeah, you're right. I mean, this is a more talented team than 2017. I think it's more talented than 2004. Um, you know, 2004, you had the you had another great offensive line. Uh, the, you had Jim Johnson, who was sending sending people at the quarterback. But I think I think this team is probably the most talented. And, and it was all depending on the quarterback to, to make it go. And it's been unbelievable. And,
4: uh, oh, by the way, quarterbacks can get paid. And this is kind of a conversation uh-huh. that sits on the fringes every single week. Well, we know we don't have to talk about it because they can't even negotiate with them till after the season is over and done with, right? You know, what's going to be the big sticking point. I just love your take on this, John. Lamar Jackson's still not signed with the Ravens uh-huh. and you listen to anybody around the league. The sticking point, the rubbing point is the guaranteed money. Uh-huh. And everyone is still really annoyed at the Cleveland Browns for giving Deshaun Watson what they get. Cause he reset the bar and <laughs> everybody is going to try and negotiate to that bar. Lamar Jackson, certainly. And guess what? Jalen Hurts is right in that conversation right now. How many hundreds of millions of dollars and that's a plural too, is the yeah. minimum number is going to be guaranteed by the Eagles how big a stumbling block is this going to be? I know we don't even have to worry about it for months, but at some point we will. Is that going to be the issue between the Eagles and Jalen hurts getting a contract extension done?
7: It's probably one of the reasons it'll take a while. Um, I'm sure hurts camp. will be pushing for that. Howie Roseman is a magician at getting contracts done. So, at the end of the day, I'm not worried that an extension will get signed. I think it makes sense for for everybody. The Eagles, if Jalen Hurts continues this season the way he's been playing, he he the Eagles have to pay him, and I think Jalen Hurts is in the stronger negotiating position. So it, it might it might be a lot of conversation. I think at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts gets the contract he wants, and it you know maybe there's a trade off in terms of dollars for guaranteed money, but at, I. I if I'm the Eagles, what I've seen from Jalen Hurts, if this is the real thing and if he does this for the rest of the season, I don't see as they have any other choice but to go ahead and, and do it. And you just you cross your fingers and hope he stays healthy and stays as productive as he is.
5: Yeah. You're you're right, John. And it it, it I think it's, you know, the Deshaun Watson uh contract will be looked at as an outlier by the league. I think Kyler Murray's the better. Sort of comp points, and and that's where the negotiations probably start at. And that's pretty big anyway. Still good. Um, (laughs) But I'll end it here with you at John Stolness. uh, Follow John on Twitter, read him at bleedinggreen.com. Listen to Eye on the Enemy if you want some Phillies news, The Good Fights, his podcast there. Um, Other contracts. I mean, this entire defense is basically on a one-year deal almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're going to have to make some tough decisions, whether it's Fletcher Cox or J. Bon Hargrave, whether it's Kaiser White or T.J. Edwards. You got to get Marcus Epps signed. You got to get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson signed. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do everything. Right. So how important is this window for the Eagles? I mean, the window's open it's yeah. not and it's not open a crack how important is it to seize this um this opportunity
7: yeah it's really important you're not going to be able to assemble this collection of talent around jalen hurts again because his cap number is going to be such that you're not going to be able to do like what you're talking about sign all of those guys bradbury <laughs> you know is another guy that you would you would ideally love to bring back uh, assuming he can play at a high level moving forward too um I think you've got to trust that some of the draft picks you made last year are going to take on more prominent roles. Um, Nicoby Dean is probably going to be a starter next year, and you've got to you've got to hope that he's as good as advertised. Um, you know, Jordan Davis is going to have to play a lot more and do a little bit more than they've asked him to do so far. Um, you know, they've, they're going to have another, uh, high first round pick this year. Do you trade that away for a lower first round pick and another second round pick to kind of give yourselves a few more bullets, uh, because you know, you're going to need some cheaper talent on hand next year. If you're, if you're paying Jalen hurts, um, you know, you have to start building through draft. You can't look in free agency. You can't look in trades as much. And so, uh, you have to all of a sudden shift gears a little bit and make sure that, you know, your picks that you used this pa- this year, the, the previous season, and then what they make in, in 2023, uh are going to be able to produce for you. And, uh, but that's why it's important that while you have all those guys, you just mentioned to take advantage of this, because uh, this probably will be the most talented team that Jalen hurts ever plays with just simply because they're not paying Jalen hurts all that much, all that much money right now.
4: All right, John, last one for you. And I'm going to follow up on what John was just asking you about, but actually go a step further. How he's been great at getting these contracts done in this. John's talking about the window to win a Super Bowl. I'm talking yeah. about the window in this season, after the trade deadline, before the playoffs start, getting a contract extension done. Last year he got my lot done. He got Carter mm-hmm. done. He got Maddox done. All at Pro Eagle type numbers. Yeah, I'm gonna set the bar for you. It's gonna be fair market value, not eagle discount because they love philadelphia or how he's a great negotiator mm-hmm. not an overpayment uh, picking out the one guy and say all right if we got to go above and beyond this is the guy we got to secure this is what we got to get done fair market value for what you me and john mcmahon we consider fair market value and i think we know enough about the national football league to be able to come up with that number who's the number one guy Who's the guy if you knew today mm. you could get him done for fair market value going forward? year or two of a contract. Who would you prioritize of all the Eagles free agents at the end of the year?
7: That's a good question. I mean along you usually look to strengthen the lines first uh, and that's, then that... That,
4: that that's eagle centric.
7: <laughs> that's yeah. Eagles 101. When in doubt
4: take care of the trenches.
7: Yeah. And so in that case, you're probably thinking Javon Hargrave as the guy you want to sign first. He, he scares me because he's so streaky. You know, he has games like he's had the last couple of games, and then you don't hear from him for a little while. And you just got Jordan Davis um, for, for a defensive tackle spot. Fletcher Cox probably isn't here next year, so you can have both those guys. Uh, the other guy I'm thinking of is James Bradbury having three great cornerbacks to shut down the passing game. You see how important that is. And to have three guys who can actually get turnovers is really important. Um, I probably go with Hargrave because of how important it is to get pressure on the quarterback. Getting pressure means you can maybe have another a different guy out there as your number two cornerback and still get some of the turnovers uh, that that you would see. But it's neck and neck between those two guys. I would probably go Hargrave over Bradbury.
4: All right, John Stonis, feel free to go
7: vote. Now, are you voting down there? You're- already voted. I already you voted. You already
4: did. You already got out and got it done.
7: Yeah, my polling place is literally two blocks away, so I just I just walk over, and it's I'm in there five minutes and out. It's great. Damn, All you, right. are, you are a good You got American. the I voted sticker. You got yeah, it ready it, to go. my sweatshirt. I don't have it All on right. right now, but All I got right. it, yeah.
4: We trust you. That's why we have you on, because we believe you. John, great stuff. Thanks much for jumping in today. We'll get you on about a month from now. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, John. John Stoneless, Bleeding Green Nation. has been covering the birds for years, but uh, got a gig as a producer and reporter down in D.C. So he does the uh, two-city thing. And uh, just, I I told John yesterday when we were planning our guests for the rest of the show, hey, we haven't had Stoneless in a month. Let me me reach out and see if he wants to do it. I'd completely forgotten that they were playing the Commanders this week, and he's got some good D.C. information. So he touched on a bunch of things for us. We appreciate having him. We appreciate Ed Kratz. He's going to join us in about 20-some-odd minutes. I hope you appreciate John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Birds 365, coming right back.
8: Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth, born into a brotherhood, and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one, and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: And Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no weight. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days.
3: My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process.
1: We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey. Tell us your story.
0: The faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go to get your game on.
6: Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit, and the hits. Go for the stakes. For the ones who work
1: hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so
9: everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com,
1: or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
6: And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
4: You got your MAGA mag guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds Three Sixty Five. Uh, thank John Stolness for hopping on board. Eddie Kratz coming up less than fifteen minutes now. Um, let me just add one more thing to the mix. Last question we asked John about the who would you prioritize as the number one guy to get signed, and you pointed out all the guys on a date. Basically, I love the way he said. It. Basically, the entire defense is on a
5: one-year contract. <laughs> Which is not one hundred percent accurate, but two Abante Maddox, a couple guys are signed, but too 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 close for comfort.
4: Uh, it's it's uh, too accurate uh, for the Eagles' liking. Let me put one other guy in the mix, not on the offensive side of, the, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. On the offense, I think one of the more underrated players on the Philadelphia Eagles this year has been, and in previous years, Isaac Sayamalu. Now, that was not the case because he was hurt year. I can't underrate a guy while he's uh, – overrated. a guy while he's hurt. Um, Isaac's doing a phenomenal job again this year. And, oh, by the way, if this finally is the year that Jason Kelsey steps aside and says, had enough, uh, I got faith in the just newly minted and drafted replacement and um, beef jerky. But do the Eagles really want to go on the offensive line – with two replacements to what has been their stalwart starting line last year it worked out perfectly dickerson filling in steps in for isaac does the job now he's one of those blocks of granite that you're banking on as your foundation if kelsey walks away how much of a priority does it become to get isaac resigned
5: yeah i think it's a priority anyway uh, but yeah i agree even more so if if jason does walk away and remember you know Jason has told, uh, people, this is it, um, behind the scenes, he could always change his mind. Um, no question about that, but, um, yeah, I mean, they built through the offensive line and, and and they have their plan, um, and it's Cam Jurgens. and, but you'd like to keep Landa Dickerson who's going to be there and, um, Isaac Samalo around him. That would be very, very helpful. Um, Or or Cam Juergens. And then you got to start thinking about Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is doing sort of these mental health uh, talks and mentioned uh, he he wants to play two more years. So, um, you know, you got to start thinking about life after Lane Johnson as well. We just talked about it. This team values the offensive and defensive line. No question about it. Howie Roseman says it, for those listening, says it all the time. Says it when he drafted Cam Jurgens. Remember, a lot of people were upset when the Eagles drafted Cam Um and said, you you need this, you need that. It's a luxury pick. Um, Jason Kelsey's going to play this year. Um, and, and Howie said after the pick, well, look, we're always going to default to offensive defensive line Mm -hmm. because people were talking about nicobe dean because they ultimately got nicobe in the third round people wanted him in the second round um and he said we're always going to default to offensive defensive line um so you know it's helpful isaac's injury has history might be helpful in that part of it because maybe it, it it lowers his price a little bit um But I think a lot of Isaac Samalo is going to be the open market and what he can get because, you know, he might have to offer uh, a team discount. If somebody wants to go all in with Isaac Samalo, it might be tough to keep him, to be honest. Um, It's one of those tough decisions. And one of the extra last night, sitting around
4: watching Monday Night Football, uh, I thought it would be an okay game. It was... Only okay. That's all that it was. Uh, But had should have. I like Baltimore.
5: Baltimore's a good team.
4: Yeah, Roquan Smith steps right in and looks like he's been playing in that defense for ever. He's just that talented a player. I do think they miss Wink Martindale more than uh, some people are acknowledging. He's done a hell of a job for that for giant defense and I think Baltimore misses him a little bit. But when you add guys like Roqu- Roquan Smith on the fly to a good defense. Yeah,
5: TJ Hawkinson, um, a lot of this old school mentality is getting blown up. That you know, And I say it all the time because I've heard it from a million coaches over the years. It's not a plug and play league. It's not a, well, guess what? Yeah. Some Minnesota people are doing it. <laughs> uh, Baltimore plugged in uh, Roquan Smith. The Eagles plugged in Chauncey Gardner. Johnson He's leading the NFL in interceptions. Um. Yeah. Hey guys, for those old school GMs out there, you better start rethinking that. That's a very good point.
4: Um, but the Saints offense just wasn't very good last night. And I'll give the the Ravens credit, but the Ravens, believe it or not, statistically, they're one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. And I really liked their secondary. Not only did I think they had four good starters, I thought they had depth adding Kyle Hamilton to a two good safety team already. They've given up a ton of passing yards this year. They didn't last night because the red rifles, the red rifle, and he's Andy Dalton and the Saints didn't do anything. John, you're going to be ending, uh, end up being right on this one. You thought that the Saints were going to be mediocre. I thought they could actually compete. Now, they're one game out of first place. One. That's all. One game out of first yeah. place. Tampa Bay's what? in first place. Right. But the Eagles do have their first pick. And right now would be like number six in the draft. Even though they're only one game out of first place, it's still the sixth pick in the draft that the Eagles would get if the season were to end right now. That's gonna be a pretty damn good pick, John. I, I somebody's gonna win that division, maybe, maybe at eight and nine. I don't think it's gonna be nine and eight. It's gonna be eight and nine, so it's gonna be below five hundred again. Uh, I don't. The way they looked last night, I don't think it's gonna be the Saints, which means the Eagles gonna have a nice high draft
5: pick. Now, I just you know with the Saints, and I I talked about it when the Eagles made the trade. I you know I think um, Mickey Loomis did a bad job with self evaluation. You can't just assume. They have some good players. I mean, I talk about it all the time. Everybody has good players in the NFL, but you don't lose a potential Hall of Fame coach and replace him with Dennis Allen. You don't have a quarterback, whether it's Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. And you're 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 gonna be a contender. I mean, that's not how this league works. Um I just thought he seriously misevaluated his team. It's it's worked out that way so far. They're still in the hunt, though, as you mentioned. Uh, when it talks, when it comes down to a top 10 pick, it, you know, they can't make the playoffs. So people have to hope that, um, the saints aren't that, uh eight, and nine team making the playoffs. Uh, but I don't, I don't think they will be, I, you know, and I don't know what the deal is at quarterback there, uh, because why they're playing Andy Dalton, um, Jameis has got to Jameis has got to be out there, um, they got a bad coach, bottom line. Might be a yeah. good defensive coordinator, not a good head coach.
4: I think they they have a bad organization. You're right, because Mickey Loomis misevaluated. Dennis uh, isn't getting the job done. And I thought one of the key was keeping that staff in place, because I thought they were a good staff, but maybe it was all about Sean Payton. You maybe end up being uh, very right about that. And, oh, by the way, just another minor chip in Howie Roseman's stack – Maybe if they still had Ian Book, they could go to him as their quarterback. Where's Ian Book? Oh, is he still on Eagles? Could you pick him out of a lineup, John McMullen? Oh, you- yeah.
5: Uh, well, first of all, he played at Notre Dame, so how could you not pick him out of a lineup? Couldn't I could pick him, him out of me. a
4: lineup. No, I no, saw him me. play
5: so many times at the college level. I mean, I think he was in two college football playoffs. Um, he won a lot. Well, you think about the history of Notre Dame, I mean – they they won a lot of games over the years, and he won more for them than anybody else. So he played for a long time. Yeah, that's
4: and that's one of those faux stats.
5: Well, no, but they, I mean that that means he's basically a four year starter. Um, you know, that three year starter, but he came in, I think, as a. Uh, and he won a lot of games at the college right. level, but but the reason
4: for that is they've added games on the college level. It's the NFL's up to seventeen. Well, yeah, but twelve plus they got uh, playoffs. My up. only
5: point is Notre Dame's on every stinking week, no matter if they're good, they're bad, they're indifferent, and they were really good for the most part when he was uh, when he was the quarterback. So how do you not see him? But yeah, he doesn't have. In fact, I've talked about it. I to me, if you're you're going to have a developmental quarterback, I want somebody with skills that you can develop. I don't think he's got NFL top tier skills, um, but he's a, he's a good guy. He's obviously he? smart. Yeah, um, I think he's got all the intangibles the Eagles like, but I just think there's a limitation. We just saw he reminds me a little bit of Taylor Heineke. That type of quarterback, undersized, can move a little bit. Very he's got some moxie, uh, makes. Him, but I don't think he's got that top tier um, NFL talent to play the position. Yeah, yeah,
4: I was not a huge book fan, even though you're right. He was winning games at Notre Dame Uh fourth round pick, I want to say, of fourth, the Saints. Yeah, fourth yeah. Round. So uh, day three pick didn't excite me or didn't <laughs> wow me in any way, shape, or form, and. Um, what he showed in the preseason games. And I know they're just the preseason games and how much can you actually put into it? Well, when that's all you've got to evaluate, you have to put something into it. He did nothing to wow me, but may, may, maybe he actually could have gotten the Saints turned around. That's how mediocre their quarterback play has been. That you say, oh,
5: w- w- what if we still had Ian Book? No, Ian Book. Isn't is Jameis healthy? I, he I is. believe he's healthy. <laughs> Like, why the hell isn't he playing? It as far sense. as I know, I, I I believe he's healthy. If I'm wrong, somebody makes, correct me. But
4: makes no sense to me.
5: And oh, by the way, uh,
4: and we just got a couple minutes, and we got punch punch up Ed because he's got to run down and uh, see what's a happy Tuesday uh, with happy today. Um Tuesday. Jeff Saturday, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. We touched on Frank Reich and. <laughs> Would the Eagles bring him back? By the way, can
5: I jump in, Jody? I, I got the prediction wrong, but I did say Robert, <laughs> Jim Ursa, is a, is a wild card. A nut job. I, uh, he's, he's a nut job, yeah. So I will put that caveat on
4: there. Yes, and he is. And he hired a guy with exactly zero head coaching experience other than on the high school level who's been doing TV for ESPN the last five years. And I'll defend her saying that he can hire the hell whoever he wants to be his head coach. And yeah. I'm seeing people. It's 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 a slap in the face to all the other coaches. Nah. Shut up. Yeah. He can pick whoever he wants. Mom. He's the owner of the team. And yeah. it's not like he hired his brother. He hired an all-time Indianapolis it, it, cult great.
5: In a weird way. Look, I think he's a nut job. I think he made a mistake by firing Frank Reich. Never mind hiring Jeff Saturday. But... On the other hand, I admire I at least admire the courage of his convictions. Look, if the Houston Texans did what they wanted to do, I don't know what Josh McCown would be as a coach. Could he be worse than Lobby Smith? Could he be worse than David Cully? Ah, David didn't do a bad job, I guess. But uh, could he could it be that much worse? Probably not. I mean, at least he showed the courage of his convictions. I'll give him that. I mean, he's hiring He's going to look like a moron if Jeff Saturday and somebody brought up a good point. Like, why do you want to be the Colts head coach? Like for all these people clutching their pearls about insert name should be the head coach of the, 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 I saw Brian Flores. Brian's got a job, by the way, you can't just leave in season to become the head coach of the Colts. He's got a job. Right. But anyway, for all these people clutching their pearls, why would you want to be the head coach of the Colts, the interim head coach of the Colts, to lose mm-hmm. whatever seven out of eight games, and you have that stain on your resume? Maybe, maybe Jeff Saturday's there just to do Jim Ursay a favor. Who knows? Who I knows?
4: Would, would not be surprised over the case. And one of the names I saw that I love, Peyton Manning. Oh, he's got like seven other jobs. He's not going to go take over the Colts for a couple of months just to do a solid by his former uh, franchise. Not happening. Um, But let me just again, I said this yesterday. John poo-pooed it. Uh, I'm, I'm standing by it. I will die on this hill. The starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, 12 days from now, against the Philadelphia Eagles, will be one Nick Foles. The new coach, Jeff Saturday, came out yesterday and said, oh, no, no, Sam Ellinger's still our quarterback. We're sticking with Sam Ellinger. Uh, The previous head coach, Frank Reich, was on record saying, we're probably best off having Sam Ellinger be the starter all year. I think Jeff Saturday gets one look at Sam Ellinger next week and goes, yeah, no, uh, we, we need an NFL quarterback in there. And I saw what Nick Foles did coming off the bench in philadelphia it's time for us to get him off the bench here in indianapolis and put him in a football game nicky six against the eagles 12 days from now right. i tweeted I, it I... on sunday when sam ellinger was throwing for 100 yards. before frank reich was fired i was tweeting the, the, the eagle fans keep an eye out for this nick Foles versus the eagles two weeks from now and after what transpired the last 24, 48 hours with the uproar and upheaval in Indianapolis, I think it improves the chances of Nick Bowles I think there's the a game.
5: there's a potential chance you're partially right in that Sam Ellinger gets benched uh, down 21-0, and you ultimately see Nick Bowles in the game. I don't think he's going to You think start... it's going
4: to happen in-game? I'm going yeah. before the game. You're predicting in game. There's a
5: possibility. They, he's so bad and it's so they, they pulled the plug in game. But I, I think part of this plan is they want to lose games, um, you know, and try to get a real quarterback. Um, and you know, Sam Ellinger is the best way to get there. You know, I joked about Chris Ballard. I, the next move is to hire Sam Pinky as the GM. I mean, they're tanking, let's be honest. Um, and yeah, they here, are where they are. Here's the reason why I think it could happen
4: before the game starts. If uh, And I, I assume Ursay is reading, seeing, hearing the same things I am. Uh, it's offensive. It's a slap in the face. Uh, this hire, this move is uh, uh, embarrassing for the National Football League. If he's taking any of it to heart, and he might be enough of a whack job to whoosh, Right it was the head.
5: opposite. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he don't give a rats. You know what? He, he might play it that way.
4: But if there's a certain call from the commissioner that comes into his office and said, you and I talk too much here, Mr. Ursa, uh he, It's not good for the NFL overall. If you're embarrassingly bad and look God awful. And uh, Oh, by the way, you're going to be in a national game because the Eagles are undefeated you sure you want to just continue on the way you are? He might, might just react and go, hey, Jeff, anything you can do to get us a win to get the stink off what we are right now, feel free to go ahead and do. And that might mean Nick Falls gets a start. I'm just saying, I'll probably be wrong, but it dawned on me when I was watching Ellinger stink the other day and going, why aren't they putting Falls in the game that uh, they may do it this way? And then it'll be an interesting... Uh, week for the Eagles fans knowing that uh, the best guy ever in the history of the National Football League coming off the bench the most accomplished jump into the game quarterback in the history of the league who delivered a Super Bowl here to Philadelphia might just be trying to beat the Eagles in that role come 12 days from now just saying all right I wouldn't worry about it
5: either way I'll say that. Yeah, I they're, worry they're probably going to win the
4: game. Yeah, but what what happens if Nick sticks their first? Oh, league
5: I'd league? love to say it because I root for the story. But I'm 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 very confident in uh, the Eagles being able to beat uh, Sam Ellinger or Nick Bowles or Matt Ryan, if you want to throw him in the mix.
4: Yeah, be careful. They do still have Jonathan Taylor. I know he didn't play this week. He's got an ankle issue. Should be back for this upcoming week. Assuming he's fine the week after, if the Colts beat the Eagles, it'll be more because of Jonathan Taylor than either Sam Ellinger or Nick Foles. All right, quickie timeout coming. Then our bud, special Ed Kratz, jumping in with us here on Birds Three Sixty Five.
6: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about
0: our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why.
8: The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia?
4: Got your Mac-a-Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, hanging with you on Birds 365. We got another SI guy. I got two SI guys with me right now, and I got to give them their props. SI finally put the Philadelphia Eagles atop their power rankings this oh, week. Oh, thank God!
5: They thank they had God. been
4: one of the lingering, holding on to the Buffalo Bills as the number one team outlets over the last several weeks. Tip of the cap to CBS. They were the only ones who put the Eagles up at number one
5: several weeks ago and left them there. By did the you... way, Damo, our buddy Damo on the thirty third team finally put the Eagles on top. Did he? He's yeah. got Philly up on top. Good for Damo. Yeah, everybody yeah. catching up. Play a little catch up, guys. So I now I did get I and we'll bring in Ed here. I did get one fan who pointed out one uh, outlet that has the Eagles third. And still, um, so, or had the Eagles, third. no, has the Eagles third this week, still, still behind Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll bring Ed into this uh conversation. Who cares? I mean, go to the next opinion. I, I do, Jody's right I
4: care. I it's, care.
5: It's, it's one person's opinion. If you don't like it, move on to the next opinion. Am I right, Ed Kratz, or am I nuts? You're nuts.
9: You're <laughs> <laughs> well, you you kind of took the words right out of my mouth there, John. I don't uh, – you know, power, power rankings are good conversational tools and, you know, fun to look at. But really, this is all going to play itself out on the field, right, once the postseason yeah, exactly. gets here. and um, it, It's kind of like the college basketball rankings. Like, who, who cares who's ranked in college basketball because you have the March Madness. It's all going to be settled on the court. So, I don't – I don't get too caught up in the power. Right. Well,
4: well, 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 hold on to both you guys. You realize we're doing a talk show here, right? Well, wow. you know,
9: yeah. Where, where, a...
4: where your opinions and what you think and what you say is kind of important. My partner likes to remind us every once in a while that he thought Michael Parsons was going to be a pass rusher before he ever hit the yes. National Football League. Got that and guess one what he right. is? John, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's only an
5: opinion. No, of course it matters. Does it matter to you? It matters. It matters to what we
4: think about you. Of course it matters.
5: First of all, uh, there's a difference between a a substance based opinion versus, oh, I'm going to sit down for five minutes and put the 32 NFL teams in order. Number one. But number two, it doesn't matter. I mean, I got Ryan Leap wrong in the day. I'll admit, admit that. You get some right. You get some wrong. I know Ed Kratz has been on this uh, uh, tour of pointing out the teams that made a mistake by passing on Jalen Hurts, um, which even that I think is is revisionist history because I think what people don't understand about player development is your situation matters. In other words, if Pittsburgh drafted Jalen Hurts or What other team uh, did you say? Colts. If they drafted Jalen Hurts, that doesn't mean they're going to develop them the way Nick Sirianni and staff has done here. So I think Nick, Nick and, and, and those guys, Brian Johnson, Shane Steichen, and Kevin Petula, they deserve credit as well. In other words, you don't just parachute a player into the same situation. So I think that matters. But to your point, Jody, I don't care if, I, I just say it tongue in cheek. I got Micah Parsons, right? Yeah. I'm spiking the football. I, I don't care. If nobody. As well, you should, I don't care if anybody cares. I mean, it, you know, just move on to the next one. I get plenty wrong. I said yesterday on this show, on this very show that Frank Wright wouldn't get fired. Hours later, Frank Wright got fired. I get stuff wrong all the time. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, what, yeah, we all
9: do. Listen, uh, getting back to hurts. I mean, you, you could say that development thing about just about every player that comes into the draft. I mean, you have to believe that you can develop the kid. And, you know, I, to me, the Steelers and the Colts were wrong. They didn't think they could develop him. It was an organizational uh, failure on their. Well, part. I
5: don't even think the Eagles though thought they could develop <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. They're snipping oh. around to Watson. They're snipping around. Um, yeah. Uh, Russell they're, Wilson. They're sni- yeah. Russell Wilson. Sorry. Thank you, Jody. I mean I don't even know how much the Eagles believe. In fact, I do know. They didn't believe in Jalen Hurts. So now well, some did. Yeah, I would say well, some people in that building. Nick, did. I think the um, coaching staff did. Yeah. But I don't think the organization did. Yeah. And it's all it's all a give and take.
9: Yeah. And really it's the coaching staff's opinion that matters. I mean, they're the ones that are seeing them every day on the field, so if they believed in him, then, that, you know, they convinced the organization to believe in him. But listen, to get back to the power rankings, if you want my opinion on who the number one team is. I know Jody wants me to say the J.E.T.S. Jets after that big win against. That's the, a big win, by the way. A huge that win, a a big big win. win. Yeah. I, They're not going to put them on the top of the list, but it moves them up the list. It does
2: win. You
9: know, look, I, Eagles, <clears throat> uh, Chiefs, Bills, anything in that order to me uh, are your three best teams. But the I, Eagles
5: got to be number one. In Probably your, in so. Your power Probably records. so. But I mean
9: I think if the Bills loss to the Jets proved anything to the Eagles, is that you can play a bad game and lose on any Sunday. I mean, the Jets are a good team. Let's say they're a very good defense. Um and Joe then, Douglas, I mean, baby. It, yeah, I mean, they put together a good and Robert Saleh is really developing those players that uh, Joe Douglas brought in. Again, it all comes down to development. And Saleh's doing a good job and his staff. But it's a reminder to the Eagles that if you go out and just throw the ball out there, you just can't expect to win. You know, that's what's going to keep them from going undefeated. Is they're they're eventually going to play a bad game, just like the Bills did. Every team plays a bad game, and it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're not playing well, you can win. Now, look, they didn't play well against the Texans. I mean, not as well as you would have hoped, especially early on. They came out a little flat, um, but they were able to win because their talent is just simply better. So you can play a bad game against a bad team and maybe still get a win, but, you know, hopefully that serves as a wake-up call during this bye. And then the Bills losing to the Jets, also another reminder that we got to come out on Monday night against the Commanders, and we have to be on top of our game if we expect to beat them for a second time this year after torching them uh, down in D.C. uh, in week, whatever that was, three or four um, you know, we have to be on top of our game if we want to win. And that's the same thing every Sunday, every week. You have to be ready to play a football game or you're going to find yourself, uh, you know, getting a loss.
4: All right, here's uh, my fear for this week. And and if you uh, were catching, uh, if you jumped in just before we ended up the last segment, two weeks from now, I'm afraid of, or 12 days, I'm afraid of Nick Balls. This week, should I be afraid of, if Terla Heineke goes down, Sam Howell coming off that commander bench and stepping in and in that Nick Folesian-like role leading the commanders to a victory, surprise victory, upset victory over the Eagles.
9: Well, I mean, as much as I'd like to see Sam Howell come in and play and, and do well, because I did like him, Um it's not going to happen. I think the commanders. What you should be afraid of is their ability to be physical in the run game with Brian Robinson and uh, and Antonio Gibson. You know, against this Eagles run defense, which showed that it has it some work to do. Yeah. Um, that to me, if the commanders want to win the game, I mean, we saw their game plan with Wentz. You know, in week three, and they sacked him nine times. They're going to try to run the football. Brian Robinson wasn't in that game. And listen, the game, the, the blueprint to keep the Eagles off balance and to play a game with them is to run the ball against them. And I fully expect that the commanders are going to try to do that with Gibson and Robinson. So that's what you should be afraid of.
5: Yeah. And you know, the one thing that could be the equalizer, I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. I've been saying it all week. Uh, the most talented team I've been around and build up. Yeah. I mean, they're so deep. They can beat you in so many ways. Um, but the one thing that can ruin it all is injuries. And we already seen one Jordan Davis and the Eagles were not the same team stopping the run in Houston. Now it was a short week. I think they'll make some corrections, but bottom line is Marvin Wilson and Marlon Tui Peloto aren't Jordan Davis. So Nick Sirianni said that when you lose a player like Jordan Davis, you're not going to be as good. That's the way it works. Um, they also lost Devonte Maddox late in that game, and we'll see. We're not going to get indications until later in the week, but it looked like, to me, he tweaked his hamstring. Um, that is a very difficult injury for a cornerback, a, a speedy guy to get back in uh, a little over one week's time. They get the extra day, so that'll help, but we'll see. Um, and then, you know, there's unforeseen things, unforeseen hurdles. Um Injuries can always affect every team, but Jordan Davis specifically, Ed, he doesn't play that much, so I think people don't realize how important he is to that defense. Uh, do you think that's overstated, or, or are you concerned about not having Jordan? Well, sure, I'm
9: concerned about it. Um, you know, what, what was he averaging? Maybe 24 snaps uh, per yeah. game, but I, I really think, and, you know, I really think he was headed for an uptick in snaps in the second half of the season here coming out of the bye week. I think Jonathan Gannon was ready to ramp up his snap count in the middle and play him more and not even in the middle. But, you know, he was ready to play him, you know, lined up over a guard, you know, in those four man fronts. We we're going to see more Jordan Davis in the second half. And, and I'm pretty confident in saying that. Uh, but now here we are. He's hurt for the next four to six weeks, whatever it is. And uh, you wonder how he's going to return to play so quickly. I mean, okay, he's going to come back and I'll, all our prayers are answered. The run game's going to be great again. But, you know, Jordan Davis is a big guy and conditioning's always been an issue with him. And you wonder, it's an ankle injury. How much conditioning is he going to be able to do uh, with this month off? And then what about his technique? Is that going to suffer any because of this month off? So, you know, it's not only a concern that he's not here, but when he comes back, how effective is he going to be? How long is it going to take for him to play his way back to the point where he was playing before he got hurt? And, you know, do not they're not going to bring in the N- Su or, you know, any street free agent that's out there. They're going to try to get this done with what they have on the roster. And I thought Marvin Wilson showed some encouraging signs. You know, he, I talked to him after the game in Houston, and he said that he's used to lining up all over that defensive line because of his time at Florida State. They had three different defensive coordinators at Florida State, so he's played in all sorts of fronts on that defensive line. Um, but he's not Jordan Davis. Let's face it, Jordan Davis was a first-round pick. Marvin Wilson was an undrafted free agent, and there's a reason for that. So, yeah, Davis's absence is going to be felt, and now it's up to Gannon in these 11 days between games to come up with some sort of a game plan to stop the run, because you know that that's what the commanders are going to try to do. That's what the Colts will try to do if Taylor's healthy. And then you have Aaron Jones for the Packers. And then of course, Derek Henry, and we'll see if Davis is back at that point, but uh, you know, it's a tough road here. Everybody talks about the quarterbacks and how bad these quarterbacks are that are playing against the Eagles or, or not good enough, but it's the running backs that are the concern now. And Gannon has to come up with a way to kind of put a bandaid on that Uh, open sore that was left behind with Davis.
4: And, oh, by the way, speaking of running backs, is Miles Sanders and what he's doing for this Eagle offense flying under the radar right now?
9: Yeah, maybe nationally. I think locally he's getting plenty of credit. I mean, you know, he's on pace for his first 1,000-yard season. I know that doesn't mean as much with the extra game, but he's never done it. Uh, He's staying healthy, so yeah, maybe nationally he's flying under the radar, but he he's huge for this offense. And he's another one of these guys whose contract is up at the end of the year. So, that, you know, guys like him and Bradbury and White and, you know, Chauncey Gordon or Johnson are all motivated to play, you know, as well as they can to get that next deal. And Sanders has really helped this offense, no doubt. I mean, they haven't thrown him the ball much uh, out of the backfield. That's kind of Gainwell's role. Um, but what he does on the ground, I mean, he picked up what 93 yards against the Texans and it, it was pretty quiet 93 yards. Cause he only had six yards or so at halftime. So he didn't like, we
5: not running early. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. and
9: he had the touchdown. He's got six touchdowns. I mean, he didn't have a single one last year. So yeah, that right there shows you that, you know, he's,
5: he's meant a lot to this team. I want to rewind to what you said about it's about the running backs now. It'd be for this reason. Um, <laughs> The one thing the Eagles haven't done well defensively, really, besides special teams, the only thing they haven't done well as a team is tackle. Um, They don't have a good tackling team. They built this team to stop the pass. They built this team to stop Patrick Mahomes, or at least compete, or Josh Allen down the road. That's sort of what the modern NFL is. So we talk about Hassan Reddick. Great pass rusher, strip sacks, doesn't tackle that well. Um, Kaiser White, great coverage linebacker, doesn't tackle that well. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson leads the NFL in interceptions. Couldn't tackle Jody McDonald or, or Ed Kratz in the open field. James Bradbury, not a good tackler. Darius Slay, not a good tackler. Is that just the give and take? You want all these splash plays, but to get these splash plays... You can't have a big box safety. It's just gonna be sound in tackling. You got to have a playmaker. It's just something you got to live with, or is it a real concern?
9: Yeah, you know, I think they have been inconsistent in the tackling. It's not all been bad. I know they're ranked below, you know, pretty low in in tackling efficiency. Dead last. Dead Dead last. That'd be
4: 32nd out of 32 teams.
9: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. But I mean, listen—they're—they're tackling well enough uh, to—to be eight and zero. But yeah, it could come back. It could—it could come back to hurt them. Um, And and you're right; it could be a give and take. You know, you want to load up to stop the pass. It's a passing league. Um, But uh, you know, they need to work on that. You know, they need to tackle better, no no doubt. Uh, Because eventually, it's going to catch up to them, right? Like everything else will catch up to you if you're not doing it well. It'll eventually hurt you. Like special teams will eventually hurt them. It's already hurt them, but they've been fortunate enough to overcome the mistakes that those special teams have made. So yeah, it's, I think there's some give and take there for sure. Yeah. Let me ask about special teams. Cause that has not
4: been a strong suit of the Eagles through the first eight games. Again, like you just pointed out, hadn't cost them. They're still late. No, but uh, they don't have any big plays, splash plays on special teams. They can point to uh, according to Nick Sirianni did a lot of self scouting over the last several weeks had the bye week, had the lengthy week this week from Thursday to Monday to give them that much more time to break down film. Can you actually improve special teams in season other than ch- swapping out plays and changing certain things? We all know about schemes and coaching up and doing different things. What can you really do different on special teams other than get the guys in a room and go, hey, we have to put more effort in. We got a buck Is there any coaching up of special teams in season that can make a difference?
9: Well, I mean, you could always try to shuffle new personnel out there, but your roster is your roster at this point with the exception of, you know, one or two guys. So it it is hard to improve. Maybe you need to spend maybe a few extra minutes during practice. I mean, we, we've seen them in training camp, John, and, and they put some time in on the special teams, maybe not a lot of time like we saw with Chip Kelly and Dave Phipp in that era. And they had great special teams under Dave Fipp. But um, I don't think there is a whole lot you can do in season. I mean, y- your personnel is what it is. And you don't want to overwork somebody. Like, you can put, you know, whoever you think is better as a gunner out there. But if he's playing, you know, 70% of the snaps on defense, you don't want to have him playing, you know, 50% of the snaps on uh, special teams. So, yeah, you have to just get these guys better. The guys you're running out there, you need to spend more time with them, I would guess, in practice. Uh, and, and get them to understand the concept and the scheme that you're teaching. Um, but I'll, I'll ask you this, as far as the splash plays, has there been any punt returns for a touchdown this season? I, I don't think there have been any I don't believe for...
5: there has. In there, the NFL, and, unless it happened run, huh? the last week, I haven't checked. But Yeah,
9: I, I mean, no. nobody's really making these big plays on special teams. And, and I thought Michael Clay brought up a good point a couple of weeks ago when he said these punters nowadays are are very yeah, good. they are really good at, at hanging the ball high and, and good hang time and getting distance. Um, and then, you know, putting it at a certain part of the field where your coverage team knows you're punting to the right side. Okay. We're going to overload that side and we're going to, you know, pin that guy in against the sidelines. So I think, you know, that was a good point, you know, and as much as you want to say coaches are making excuses, I mean, we we've seen this across the league where there haven't been any huge returns, in the punt game. And there's a reason for it. And I think clay brought up a good one with the punters and how mm-hmm. effective they are, uh, with punting the football these days.
5: No, but my problem with, with Michael, and he's right, he's a hundred percent, right. You can add kickoff returns as well, because forget about the touchbacks, but now you can't have that, that, that sort of, uh, first line of blockers. It's illegal to have that old school, um, sort of, uh, uh, wall, yeah. Yeah. um, with, with three guys, that's illegal now. So you don't have these long kickoff returns nearly as much as, as you used to as well. However, Ed, everything is contextual. And the Eagles, compared to the rest of the league, are by and large worse than the rest of the league. So nobody, at least me, I'm sure other people want big plays and touchdowns which aren't happening. But you just got to be better than the rest of the team, not, not, you don't have to be number one, but let's get to 15 or 14 or 13 being in the top half of the league instead of the bottom five of the league. And that's where the Eagles are in special teams.
9: Yeah. I, I think where their special teams to me is most glaring is on their kickoff return. You're seeing teams now kicking short to Britton Covey, you know, trying to get it to the goal line or the one and make him return it. Cause they're, they're blocking on the kickoff return that's yeah, terrible subpar. I mean, he's not even getting to the 20 yard line most of the time, Britton Covey. So, you know, why wouldn't teams try to kick it short and make you return it? Cause they know, you know, they're going to stop you before he gets to the 25. That's where it's been most glaring for me.
4: All right. And last one for me, uh, whatever time it is on Monday night, when the captains go out onto the field, eight, 10, eight, 12, whatever, they'll flip a coin. If it goes the Eagles way, <laughs> will Nick Siriani
5: take the ball or will hell, he defer? Hell no. I'm not even gonna let Ed answer that. Hell no. I'm gonna jump in. Against uh, Washington? Hell no.
4: Who's, for, who's for, for a change, for a change, I'm completely with the yeah. coach on this one. I I have more mm. respect for the Redskin defense than the Redskin offense. So I say, yeah, put Taylor Heineke out there yeah. immediately and say, yeah. let's get a stop, turn this around. I, I can't nitpick Sirianni just blindly deferring this week because deferring would be the way to go if you had a choice.
9: I'll tell you, who's ever calling those coin flips, heads or tails? Yeah, for the they Eagles went series? every stinking week. I, I don't think they've lost a coin toss all year that I can they remember. They
4: won. I think they did lose one because I usually yeah. make McMahon text me. I go tell me what they did on the coin toss. I, yeah. th- I, if I, memory serves. By the way, I don't know where to look one. that
5: up. They have an astonishing record uh, on the coin toss. It's yeah. pretty amazing. No uh,
4: winning games. I think they're seven and one winning coin tosses. But we'll yeah. look that up. Eddie, no, you uh, got to run. Got to get over there and uh, have a happy Tuesday with Jonathan Gannon. We had a happy Tuesday because you came on with us. Thanks, bud. Thanks,
9: nice, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks, man. Congrats with us on birds
4: 365
5: do you know where to go to look that up i don't i i i i my somebody tell me where you can look up the coin toss. but i don't pay that much attention to it so i've never really but they win so many i'm like they won again maybe, I, maybe i'm just overstating it no, because, I, I
4: it, off the top of my head and I try and also pay attention to this. I don't ever look it up I either catch it on the broadcast or if the Eagles play defense first I'm just assuming that because every other coach in the league does the same as Nick. 92% Mariani. I do
5: know that uh, as of last week it was 92% um, so all start. right here we go most from stat muse, most coin toss, that music, uh, the Eagles sight. are 8-0. Eight no. 8 no according to They are 8-0 no winning a coin flip this year. 8 no 8 Holy no Holy crap. That's a 50-50 proposition. You're telling me the stars aren't aligning, Jody? 8-0 yeah, no, winning of, coin tosses. Kind of pointing that way, is it not? That that everything is coming up roses for the Philadelphia football team that this year? That is unbelievable. I did not realize that. 8-0. All
4: think they actually believe they were seven and one I thought they were winning most of them but I thought there was one week in there they might have lost uh, but uh, undefeated in the final scores of the game and undefeated at the beginning as well when it comes to you know that we've just absolutely killed their chances of
5: winning the Cardinals. by the way uh Minnesota second at seven and one. And what was the one they lost? The one they lost was the Eagles. I had to just be like the, if
4: the, the Eagles are eight-no, then Minnesota the best they could possibly be is seven and one. Well,
5: what I'm saying is though, in 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 real life, in the games, the Eagles are eight-no and the Vikings are seven and one. Oh shoot. And the Vikings are seven and one with their record, too. Yes. Damn, what are the Jets? Um, let's look the Jets. So it, it just comes down the Jets are no, I'm screwed. This up. Oh, the Jets are six and three. I must be looking at regular records. All right, this stat music screw me up. All right, you're I'm not, I'm giving you misinformation. Now I got to figure this out. No, NFL right. coin tosses. And here's, here's what we
4: are going to do. Let me just throw a break. We'll take a uh, a quick break. We only got fourteen minutes left of the show. So you look it up during the. Uh, don't even yeah. think about streaming. I'm, out. I'm giving up. Oh, anywhere else? McMullen is going to have breaking news information when we come back. He's gonna have I don't know if points. I am.
5: But this is a bad. He's gonna job try I to me. have breaking yeah.
4: information when we come back. Coin toss winning percentages in the NFL in twenty twenty two. Maybe, just maybe. So stay with us here on Bridge Street sixty five. Just maybe.
0: It's a fall car fest, and Jeff D'Ambrogio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no weight. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrogio, Destination Downingtown, nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days.
6: Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean.
3: Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently.
6: Go
1: first
6: at Salus University, our graduates are among the most highly trained in their profession because of our unique emphasis on research, interprofessional collaboration, and early clinical exposure. Learn more about our programs at Salus.edu.
4: I come down the home stretch with you MacLeck's Airport 365. Do us a favor. There's Johnny and I asking uh for the those of you staying with us right till the end of the show. Before you go, hit the like button. All right. Uh, we could use a little help with our theorem or what was what, what is it again? Uh
5: the algorithm. Algorithm, the that algorithm tells us how do
4: we're doing. How
5: so I, I'm in I, the I midst. The only place I know where to go that's a hundred percent accurate is uh the nfl game books the actual game books because they tell you who wins the coin toss so how how many
4: would you have to go Well,
5: right now i'm through i'm on uh week seven um and the eagles have lost one they lost the coin toss to minnesota Mm -hmm. um um and uh I'm trying to go through them uh, all as we do that, but they okay. win an inordinate amount of coin tosses. But I, I see. I thought they lost one.
4: I if you'd asked me before we started this whole thing, what are the Eagles in the coin toss this year? I would have said seven to one. Yeah, because uh, we know they I'm won. Glad again.
5: I'm glad you asked that question about the Jets because that's a bad job by Statmuse. Uh, they say you know the 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 link says coin toss winners, and they're just giving me winners of. Of games, so that's a bad job by them. So I'm glad you asked about the Jets. They did lose the coin toss against Minnesota. They won. Now here I'm up to. We know they
4: won against uh, the Texans just this past week because yeah. Texans put the ball and went right down the field against them.
5: Uh And that was the Steelers game. So yeah, they've lost one coin toss.
4: They're seven and one. They're eight and zero oh in games. Seven and one in coin tosses.
5: Yeah. A huh? seven out of eight coin toss.
4: I'd say things are still, even though it's not eight, no, eight, huh. no, I'd still say things are going the Eagles way so far here in uh, 2022. All right. Uh, what are you going to get out of your buddy,
5: your boy,
4: uh, JG today, and his fellow coaches? <clears throat> a happy well, I think he's
5: going to get a lot of uh, Jordan Davis questions, a lot of uh, we got to figure out. He's probably not going to give us anything on Avante Maddox, but I'm sure we'll try to get that out of them um, tackling um, I just mentioned that's the one issue with not much to complain about with this defense no. except tackling um, not a great tackling defense but I've been saying it all week is there's a give and take I mean do 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 you want the splash plays of, of Chauncey Gardner Johnson or do you want the big box safetys just you know very sound, Um, you might tackle a guy, but you're not getting the big plays. So there's a little bit of a give and take.
4: And the other thing that I'd love to hear Jonathan wax poetic on, which I know he won't, but you might try and weasel it in if he's answered all the other questions you want answered before they get to McMullen asking one. Does the game, does the way the game is going affect the way that he's going to rotate guys on the defensive line? because they've got the package where you try and replace. Oh yeah.
5: I've I've asked them that question many. Yeah.
4: We're we're now on to week two of life without Jordan Davis. And hopefully it doesn't last for a long time. They brought Marvin up from the practice squad. He got X amount of snaps. They used uh, Milt Williams in that position. They put Marlon in that position a little bit. They go without the uh, odd number offensive uh, defensive line and have both uh, Hargrave and Fletcher in at the same time. You think he'll tip his hand a little bit as to how in a perfect world he'd deploy him this week against the commander? No,
5: he will never tip his hand as far as game planning. But, yeah, he changes uh, things up. Another thing I I think people don't realize is uh, blitzing because obviously we talk about blitzing a lot in Philadelphia. Eagles have the same amount of blitzes in pretty much every week um, in their on their call sheet. The question is, can you get to them? I, I always tell people if it's third and two, you're not blitzing for right. the most part. Uh, if it's third and twelve, you might get uh, to the blitz. So people say they have no blitzes, they have no blitzes. Oh, they're there, but you got to get in the situations where you can use them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and as far as um, the rotation, um, you know, for the most part, they go in the game with a plan, but if the plan's not working, they'll they'll shift it up. And certainly if you're in a close game, you're going to want – Your key guys out there as much as possible in the fourth quarter. All right. Johnny,
4: Johnny Mac, here's again, I'm not trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to dictate to you um, uh, questions to be asked with Jonathan Gannon. But if you ever got it in there, I really appreciate it greatly because I think it's so misunderstood and misstated by certain fans run blitzes. I've seen a bunch of that. Hey, got a call on my show and here on the stream and my tour. Oh, the Eagles don't run blitz enough. How do you even know? know. You're watching no. at home and you know what a run blitz is. huh? <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I didn't know that you had been a defensive coordinator for, some nfl team some college team some high school team some pop warner team where you're putting your run blitzing defense together it just makes me laugh when people start yeah. talking about
5: well there's sometimes it's obvious if uh you know if a bonte maddox is coming off the slot you know it's a it's a but you you, you know you, you might not know if it's a pass blitz or a run blitz they might think they're Throwing oh no! That,
4: that, some of these Eagle fans yeah. know exactly when yeah. it's a run blitz and when it's a pass. Um,
5: but it, I'll tell you this: if if you're run blitzing a lot, you're not doing a good job <laughs> stopping the run. I mean, you only do that typically. Not only, I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's a surprise. But if you're doing it consistently, uh, that's probably a good indication. You're not doing what you want to do.
4: Something's not going right right. if you need to run blitz. Yes, we can agree on that. So if you got JG talking again, uh, you just want to talk about run blitz. I I could learn something today, and I think Eagle fans. You might need some run blitz. Some Eagle fans. Really small percentage of Eagle fans. I'm not talking to most of you Eagle fans, but there are some of you that, are certainly more knowledgeable than me or John. You know exactly when to call and when the Eagles are in a run.
5: Play. Well, my favorite is the quarterback offensively when you get the screenshot of the wide open receiver. But the, 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 the play call is on the other side of the field. Yet the quarterback is supposed to know the backside um, is wide open. Uh, that is the thing that drives me crazy. That was that was that was one of my
4: favorite Sirianni meltdown. Well, Why I wouldn't even yeah. call it a meltdown, but expanses last year when he described that one play against the Giants when everybody got the screenshot and the wide receiver. No, you don't understand. Here's the progression. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. The wide receiver ran a different route. How is he he's supposed to throw him the ball? That was one of my favorite rants that Sirianni. had. Yeah, all he gets, year.
5: he gets into it occasionally. Yeah, uh, but. Specifically when it's about wide
4: receivers, yeah. Uh, He he loves to wax poetic about wide receivers. All right, Johnny Mac, good job. uh, You and me again tomorrow. Make it over the bridge safe and sound today. You in? uh, Let's do it. He will be back with me, Mac and Mac, on Birds 365 in 2-2, and mañana.
2: You've been listening to Birds 365.